Let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable, be open, be responsive to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Over the first two weeks of Advent, we've taken some time to dig into the early chapters of the Christmas story as we find it recorded in Luke's Gospel with a focus on Zechariah and Elizabeth, then Mary and Joseph. And we've seen within this story the invitation of God issued to them and to us. In both those divine encounters, the invitation from God came privately and it came via the angel Gabriel. But in our reading today, this final portion of the Christmas story before the birth of Jesus, we read that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And the, the song that follows is the first recorded prophecy given by God via human messenger for 400 years. The last prophet in the Old Testament was a man called Malachi. And then the next words of prophecy don't come until John is born. That's 400 years of silence. 400 years of wondering, where are you, God? Are you there? Do you still care? Silence is a hard reality. I came across some words of a former colleague of mine this past week. She posted them online. Silence is unnerving. Believe me, I've been there. How do we wait? What do we say? When will this vortex of deafening quiet end? Perplexed and frustrated, angry and irritated, we could easily shake our fists at this silent God. We itch to be doing something to be making progress, to in some way be climbing our way out of this darkness. Silence is a hard reality. And God's people had lived with it for 400 years. I wonder if any of us feel like God is silent in our lives just now. And if so, I wonder how that makes you feel in the waiting. Hannah continues her story. This time last year it was a cold grey day and I sat across from my counsellor, grappling with my understanding of God. Winter was hard for me last year and I wanted answers. Wise, insightful and extremely patient, she looked me in the face and gently admonished me. Do not confuse silence with absence. He is still here. That sentence has reverberated around my brain for the last year. Silence and absence, two very different things. Not inevitable bedfellows after all, but two distinct entities in which God occupies the former and not the latter. Do not confuse silence with absence. He is still here. It is a truth that God was going to prove very powerfully in the Christmas story and in our reading today. For our t reading today gives us another invitation from God. 
an invitation to be real about our doubts and questions. And in the midst of our wrestling, to know the God of the Christmas story and how knowing this God can change our lives. So who is this God? If he be silent but not absent, what is he like? As you read our portion from today, the dominant theme is of God's faithfulness, particularly in Zechariah's powerful song, which begins this way, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. So, this God who is silent but present, who is faithful, He is the Lord, the God of Israel. This means that He's not just any God, nor a God of our making or choosing. He is the Lord, the God of Israel. And that can be difficult to hear in our culture today because we like choice. We like to have a choice and we like for other people to have a choice. But the contention of Scripture, the claim of Christmas, is that the God of all reveals Himself in the wonder of Christmas, in that particular story. So if we want to find God amid the silence, then it's to the Lord, the God of Israel, the God as revealed in the Old and New Testaments that we must turn, to turn elsewhere, to look in other places for the God who seems silent but is still present. Well, those other places are not the way to find Him, for He is the Lord, the God of Israel, and it is to His Word that we must turn. Zechariah reveals that this God, the Lord, the God of Israel, has come to his people. He is not distant. He is not uncaring, but he is, as we read in other portions of the Christmas story, he is Emmanuel, God with us, God beside us, God so close that he is nearer than the air we breathe. And this God came to redeem His people. Now, redeem and redemption are not words we use an awful lot in daily conversation, but it's integral to what God promised in the prophets, to what He promised about the coming Messiah, that King who would set the world aright. Of this coming King, this Messiah, the prophet Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, that is the Messiah, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And these very themes are picked up by Zechariah, who once again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit prophesies that someone will come, someone who will bring freedom, rescue, light for those who are held captive and live in darkness. What this captivity and darkness entail is described later in Zechariah's song in verses 77 to 79. And we see there that it is a setting free, a salvation that comes about by dealing with our greatest problems, those that we cannot solve on our own, the problem of sin, the problem of darkness in ourselves and in our world, and the problem of death. So the claim of the Christmas story is that someone will come who will bring forgiveness, who will bring light to darkness, who will bring freedom from death, all because God is faithful, 
He has not forgotten us. He comes close. He may seem silent, but He is not absent. He sees us as we truly are, and He knows, He knows the great need we have of His intervention. For who of us here does not know or feel the effects of sin and of darkness and of death? Loved ones lost, broken relationships, circumstances that are beyond imagination, and a darkness within each of us that we struggle over daily. Friends, we all need redemption. And in faithfulness, God draws close, ready to offer the very thing we cannot achieve for ourselves. Redemption, forgiveness, light, freedom, hope. He offers this. He offers it today. He offers this because He is also the God of mercy. And Zechariah's song, the Lord acts in mercy twice. And so, mercy is the motivation behind God's faithfulness. For a long time, I didn't understand mercy. It was just a word. It was meaningless. And actually looking at it in the dictionary, you get this tepid definition, equating it to pity or even compassion, which is slightly better. But in the Old Testament, the word frequently used for mercy is hesed. And it is a rich, powerful word because Hesed speaks of God's loyal, steadfast, gracious love. It's a love more of action than of uh, just words. It's a love that keeps on loving even in the face of unfaithfulness. And so God comes close. He comes in faithfulness, in mercy, Hesed love. And He does so because He made a promise, and He remembers this promise, a promise He gave to Abraham. These words of Zechariah remind us that God acts at Christmas to fulfill promises made to Abraham 2,000 years before. But what was that promise? Well, I won't give you a test, but you did hear it often enough during the summer, I'm sure, from Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 2,000 years have passed since those words were given by God. But God does not forget one single promise He makes. And so He comes close. In the Christmas story, motivated by His tender mercy, His hesed love, He comes close, offering redemption, offering freedom, forgiveness, light to His people who wait in darkness and silence. And now, with the Christmas story into that darkness and silence, dawn breaks forth on that very first advent, for God comes to fulfill promises of blessing for the whole world. 
what that blessing means is unpacked a little bit by Zechariah near the end, where he says that we will be guided into the path of peace. And peace here is is so much more than merely freedom from trouble or a quiet life. It is all that makes for a person's highest good. It is every kind of strengthening and encouraging and provision that we might need. It is described also as a path, a journey, a process, which begins with forgiveness and with light in our darkness, and which will one day lead us out of the shadow of death and into the kingdom of God, into the fullness of His kingdom, the God who is faithful, who is faithful in Hesed love who brings redemption, who draws close, who speaks into the silence, into our doubts and questions through the Christmas story. Friends, where do you need to know this of God? Where do you need His faithfulness this Christmas time? Where do you need Him to draw close in Hesed love? Where do you need His forgiveness, His light, His hope, His peace? The claim of the Christmas story is that this is who God is, and He issues His invitation to show you His faithfulness, His hesed love, His nearness once more, maybe especially in the times when He seems silent. Because though he may be silent, he is not absent. Now, we've focused predominantly on Zechariah's song. But prior to that, Billy read for us the story of John's birth. And it's an incident which keeps happening, a kind of incident that keeps happening again and again in the early chapters of Luke. Because God shows his faithfulness, and then we see the people's response. God comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth. He comes to Mary, and then each faces a choice of how to respond to the faithfulness of God. Two weeks ago, we saw the difference in response between Zechariah and Elizabeth. This week, we reached this birth of John. And the question is now, how how will this couple respond to the faithfulness of God? And thankfully, thankfully, Zechariah learns his lesson. He grows, he's grown in humility, he's grown in faith. And so when the time comes to name the child, a startling situation arises. Because the wider family assumed the child should be named after Zechariah, because that was the custom of the time, to name after a family member, a parent, a relative. But as we might expect of Elizabeth, she speaks up. No, she says, he is to be called John. Likely Zechariah has communicated this during the pregnancy to her using a a writing tablet of some form. And understandably then, this provokes a bit of uncertainty within the family because it's breaking with custom. And so they ask Zechariah, but he confirms the decision. He is faithful to God and his tongue is set free to once more praise God. leading us into that song we've just thought about. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth had received the faithfulness of God and they respond with faithfulness to God. It would have been a costly response. I'm sure some of you had to break with tradition or go against parents or family members' wishes when you thought about naming your own children. Always a costly one. But here, doing something just so incredibly different, so much more than probably our traditions, disappointing people, appearing odd, probably over-religious or even arrogant. But they understood that they were part of a bigger story now, that they had been called into the story of God's faithfulness to His world. And as such, they were to show faithfulness to Him above all else. There are times when God seems silent, and then there are times when it feels like God is tapping you on the shoulder again and again, and He just won't give up, inviting us into one thing after another. So, where might God be inviting you this Christmas to show faithfulness to Him? If we call ourselves Christian, if we call ourselves members of this congregation, then the promises that were said this morning are promises you made in some form one day. But even if you haven't made those promises and you're not a member, if you call yourself a Christian, then part of claiming that status is claiming that we are part of God's story today, part of God's faithfulness to this world today. And as such, we are all invited to respond individually and collectively. So where might God be inviting you, inviting us to show faithful to Him, faithfulness to Him this Christmas? Well, I've got a couple of questions for you. You might want to get out a pen. You might want to take it home to ponder because they're going to come pretty quick. And I won't elaborate too much on them. But they just jumped off the page for me as I reflected upon this this morning or this week. For we begin with Elizabeth saying, No, he is to be called John. Elizabeth and Zechariah break with tradition in faithfulness to God. So, what traditions? customs, tastes, family expectations are we holding on to that God is inviting us to let go of? Part of God's redemption is to give us the right priorities and show faithfulness to Him through adopting them. Or secondly, Zechariah's song speaks of enabling us to serve God without fear. Where is God inviting you to step free of fear of people's reactions. Maybe it's fear in sharing your faith. Maybe it's inviting someone to one of our Christmas services. Or even in how people react to a new idea or to a change or a request we make. Part of God's redemption is to set us free from fear, but to set us free that we might serve Him. Because part of God's redemption is also to invite us into His story, to play our part, to give of ourselves in bringing blessing to this world. So where is God inviting you to serve Him without fear? And lastly, 
Zechariah's song speaks of God enabling us to serve Him in holiness and righteousness. Where are we compromising the standards God had set for us? What habits, what temptations, what patterns of sin are we being invited to lay down in faithfulness to God? Part of God's redemption is setting us free from these so that we may faithfully walk in His ways and know the better life He has for us. I realize I've just thrown those questions at you and many more today, but it's questions that that just jump off the page for me. Questions for you, questions for me as well. And if it helps, get a copy of today's sermon. Ask for it on CD, download it from the website, but please, friends, don't just treat this as another sermon, another Sunday on the journey towards Christmas Day and turkey and stuffing and presents and whatever else. Engage with the questions that arise from this passage because once again, God issues His invitation this Christmas. In the times of silence, God issues an invitation to know His faithfulness, His hesed love, His nearness once more, that you might know His forgiveness, His light, His hope, His peace. But He also issues an invitation to respond in faithfulness to His faithfulness because the Christmas story truly reveals that God is not absent. He is still here. He's here right now. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is faithful. He is full of hesed love for you and for me, such that He sent His Son not only to be born as a babe, but to die on a cross. May we all know this God this Advent season and respond to Him in faithfulness. May it be so. Let us pray. I want to give you a moment to be real with God. He is here. He is speaking. And something, if if we've been listening, something will have got our attention. So where do you need to know God close this Christmas? Is it in the silence? Is it in the pain? Is it in the questions and the doubts? If that's you, in the quiet of your heart and mind, talk to Him about it. Or do you need to respond to Him in faithfulness? Do you need to let go of something? 
Do you need to stand up to fear and faithfulness to Him? Or do you need to flee sin? And if that's you, again, in the silence, talk to Him. Commit your way to Him. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for boldness. But be real now with God. Lord God, we choose to see your goodness and greatness in the Christmas story. That it's not just a story of something that happened a long time ago, but it's something for today as well. And so even when our lives feel neither good nor great, we see it of you. And we ask for your help to live this Advent time worshipping you in faithfulness to you for what you've given us in Jesus and what you will give us even more unto this world when he returns. But in the waiting, Lord, help us know that you are close. And in the waiting, help us to be that faithful steward, that faithful disciple. That when we take the name Christian upon our lips as who we are, it would be more than words, but be a heart given over to you and a life lived for you. Lord, if there's Folks here trapped in a pattern of sin, I pray for freedom. I pray you would come upon them with your power and light. Lord, if there's fear, pour out your love in our hearts that because your word says perfect love drives out fear, fill us with your love. Lord, if there's something we have to let go of, help us to love you more than that thing that we would be faithful to you. God, come in your hesed love, your tender mercy. Come close to one and all, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.